Then there were five by Elizabeth Enright. Chapter twelve. The principle of the thing. The Braxton station looked just like any other medium-sized station. It was a long, low, ugly building, flanked by a long, low, ugly platform. The black and white sign saying Braxton stuck up from the edge of the roof like a ticket in a hat band. There were a few people on the platform already, staring vacantly at the two pairs of railroad tracks, which stretched endlessly away to the right and to the left, straight and shining as the strings on a giant banjo. Mona and Willie stayed in the carriage. Oliver climbed up on an empty baggage truck, which at once became a landing barge. Randy and Rush went inside the station. It was a stale brown place, with a slot machine, a magazine stand, and a cast-iron stove that looked as if it had been there since the Civil War. A long bench, worn smooth with the sitting of multitudes, ran round the wall, and behind the ticket window <clears throat> a narrow-faced man in a green eyeshade seemed to be doing sums in a book. "'All stations smell exactly alike. I wonder why,' Randy said. I could be led in blindfold in a large city, and I'd know it was a station right away. "'Yes, and there's always a man behind the ticket window that looks just like that,' whispered Rush. "'I don't think they're really alive. The railroad companies probably order them from Sears Roebuck or someplace. One ticket agent, complete with sleeve garters and eyeshade. Twenty-four ninety-eight. Randy went, <coughs> Randy went over and looked at the magazine stand. All the comic books had names like Biff, Crash, Bang, and Boom. All the photography magazines had names like Picks, Flicks, and Nicks. The candy bars in their paper wrappers also had interesting names, such as Nummy Bar and Vitamunch. Randy looked at them longingly, but she had no money. Rush had a penny. He dropped it into the slot machine, pulled a lever, and waited for something to come out. Nothing came. He pulled the lever again. Then he started to bang the side of the machine and shake it. <clears throat> at this, the man in the eyeshade came to life, or at least his voice did. "'That never does any good,' said he, without looking up. "'Everybody always tries it, and it never does any good.' They stared at him. "'Why, has it been out of order a long time?' "'Yep, quite a while now, quite a while. "'Since March, April, I guess.' <clears throat> "'Well, it's a jip,' grumbled Rush. "'It's not the loss of a penny that I mind. "'It's the principle of the thing.' "'Randy liked the sound of that. "'I bet lots of people have lost pennies in that machine,' she said. "'And it's not right. "'They probably don't mind about the money so much. "'It's the principle of the thing.' "'Well, I've been after the fellow to fix it. "'After him and after him, but he keeps putting it off.' "'I should think you could fix it yourself,' Rush told him, "'with a pair of pliers and a screwdriver.' "'Dare say I could, but like you said, it's the principle of the thing.' "'The ticket agent looked up from under the eyeshade and smiled at them. "'He had a nice smile. "'Listen,' suggested Randy, "'why don't you just paste a little sign on the machine saying, "'Out of order or something?' "'Never thought of it,' confessed the ticket agent. "'But it ain't a bad idea. "'I'll take care of it right after I'm finished with the 545. "'Thanks for the suggestion, and as soon as she's fixed, "'I'll see that your money's refunded.' 
oh, that's okay, Rush said. And Randy said, as they went out, I bet Sears Roebuck would never sell him for only twenty-four ninety-eight. He's too nice. There was a sudden change among the waiting people on the platform. One minute they were drooped about their suitcases, yawning, shifting from foot to foot, longing to say goodbye. And the next they were alert, straightening quickly and smiling. It's coming! It's coming! Suitcases were picked up, hats straightened, kisses bestowed upon cheeks. All of them, the ones who were leaving and the ones who were staying, looked far, far along the humming tracks toward the tiny black feather of smoke. All felt the same stab of excitement. Something is going to change. Something will be different in a minute. Oliver tumbled down from his landing barge. Willie and Mona leaped from the Surrey. Mona took Oliver's hand, and suddenly felt Randy take hold of her other one. They stood close together watching the engine approach, growing larger and larger, towering above them with its cyclops eye and its mane of smoke. Together they winced in the terrible moment when it flew past them, hot as a hundred furnaces, and loud as a burst volcano. Its fiery breath blew their hair, rocked them on their feet, and filled their eyes with cinders. It was heaven. The passengers began descending. "'Where's Cuffy?' Oliver kept bleating over and over again. "'Where's Cuffy? I don't see her, Mona. Where is she?' "'Oh, goodness, Oliver. Shush, shush. She'll be coming out in a minute. Give her time.' "'Well, but where is she?' All they saw of her at first was bundles. A whole solid façade of nothing but bundles. Then they saw the familiar bulging satchel hanging from her arm. "'Cuffy!' "'Cuffy!' shrieked Oliver, beside himself, leaping and jumping. And then, as he glimpsed her face, "'She hasn't changed! She hasn't changed!' But who was that behind her? "'Father!' yelped Oliver, by this time in a frenzy of joy. They all were. They threw themselves upon Father and Cuffy. Father submitted helplessly, his arms weighted down with suitcases, and bundles were knocked off Cuffy. "'Great day!' she cried. "'There goes the fruitcake!' "'Fruitcake!' Rush pounced. "'How is Cousin Coral, by the way?' "'Recovered,' said Cuffy, "'and talked out for the next year, I should think.' "'How were the poodles?' "'Dreadful! Fat and spoiled! Made me real homesick for Isaac and John Doe!' Willie and Rush took charge of the suitcases and such bundles as they could handle. "'Father,' said Mona, "'there's a long pink ribbon hanging out of your briefcase. What in the world is it?' Father looked down at Randy. Randy stared at the pink ribbon, and then at Father. Tremendous joy took hold of her. "'Ballet shoes,' she said, almost in a whisper. "'Oh, Father!' It was rather congested in the Surrey. Cuffy sat in front with Oliver on her lap. Father sat in the back with Mona on one side and Rush on the other and Randy on his lap. Suitcases and bundles took up the rest of the room. "'Do you have to go away again on Sunday night? Can't you just this once stay over for a little while?' Randy asked the question more as a matter of routine than as an expression of hope. But Father said, "'Yes, as a matter of fact, this time I can stay over.' 
"'You can!' cried everyone. "'How long can you?' Three weeks. Three weeks! Three whole weeks! "'Boy! Jeepers! Gosh! Hooray! Hallelujah! How divine!' "'What will a president do without you?' Oliver wanted to know. "'Oh, he has my telephone number,' father said grandly. The town of Braxton dissolved unnoticed into the green fields and woods. The Surrey seemed to fly. Everyone talked. Father had to be told all over again about Mark, the fire, the farm, and all the rest of it, and he in turn had to tell them about Washington and the people he saw. Cuffy had a lot to say concerning Mrs. Theobald and the poodles and Mrs. Theobald's friends. Willie reported upon the progress of the hens, the goat, Lorna Doone, and matters in general. They were home before they knew it. "'Why, look!' cried Cuffy. "'A welcome sign. Now isn't that just lovely?' "'Only if I'd known you were coming, I would have put father on it, too,' said Randy. "'You know I would have, don't you?' "'Sure, I know it,' said father, and gave her a squeeze. "'I'll be glad to get you off my lap just the same. Both my knees are asleep. How many pounds have you gained, anyway?' As they were disentangling themselves and their luggage from the Surrey, the front door opened, and Mark came out. He had on a clean shirt that Rush had given him, and clean overalls, and his hair was still rake-marked from the comb. He was wearing his only shoes, too, big bump-toed work shoes, from which he had scraped the mud, and even made a stab at polishing. Seeing how he had made a great effort to present himself at his best, Randy felt an ache of sympathy. Let father like him— "'Please let father like him,' she prayed inside. "'Cuffy was safe. No use wasting a prayer on her. She liked Mark already.' Mark came forward, smiling his shy, friendly smile. "'Why, Mr. Melendy came, too.' "'Yes, isn't it swell? Father, this is Mark Heron.' Father took Mark's hand and looked into his face. "'How do you do, Mark? I've heard a great deal about you.' Mark, Mark looked steadily back at Father and smiled again. "'Gee, Mr. Melendy, I sure have heard a lot about you, too.' "'We'll have a talk by and by,' Father said, and went into the house. Randy, skipping along behind with the fruitcake held tight against her chest, felt her heart lighten. "'Of course, it's too soon to tell,' she thought to herself. "'It's much too soon to tell. But I think it's going to be all right. I think he likes him.' and Rush, coming up beside her, suddenly whispered, "'I think he likes him, don't you?' That was the wonderful thing about Rush. He so often seemed to feel the way she did. How many girls had such a satisfactory brother? Aloud, she only said, "Yup," and then she made a leap and a pirouette and tossed the fruitcake right up in the air, because she couldn't help it. "'The house looks real clean,' said Cuffy, in a tone of surprise. I wouldn't have dreamed it would look this clean. It is clean, Mona said. Run your finger along the banisters, Cuffy. Examine the baseboards. Look under the piano. The whole house is impeccable. Impeccable, corrected Rush. Okay, impeccable. And now, come out in the kitchen, Cuffy, said Mona quietly, almost trembling with excitement. Father, you come too. They all came, even Willie. Cuffy pushed open the swing-door and looked about her. The long rays of sun had lighted up the jars of preserves on the sill till they glowed like the glass in a church window. 
"'My lands!' said Cuffy. She went over to the sill, and then to the shelves, picking up a jar here and there, and reading aloud from the labels. "'Chow-chow! Yellow tomato preserve! India relish! Peaches! Plums! Plums! Plums!' Then she came quietly over to the table and sat down on one of the wooden chairs. They watched her, disappointed. "'What's the matter? Aren't you glad?' said Randy. "'Glad! Glad!' Cuffy gulped pathetically. "'Why, when I think of you poor little things all by yourselves, doing all this wonderful canning, why, I could just lay my head right down on the table and—' "'Don't you do it, Cuffy! Don't you do it!' cried Oliver, who had a horror of tears. He leaped onto her lap and tried to tickle her. "'All by yourselves, all that hot work,' murmured Cuffy brokenly. "'Well, Mr. Titus helped,' said Mona uncomfortably. "'Helped!' Rush gave a hoot. "'Mr. Titus took over. The girls helped. "'You better save your tears for the rest of us, Cuffy. "'We haven't had a decent meal in days.' Oliver gave up trying to tickle Cuffy. She was wearing her good corset, which was as unyielding as the armor plating on a tank. Anyway, Cuffy felt better after she'd heard about Mr. Titus. She blew her nose and went back to examining the jars. "'Fine color,' she'd say. "'Couldn't have done em better myself. "'Dill pickles. Hm, wonder where he got the dill. "'Glad you put up all them tomatoes. "'I'll put up a few more quarts myself, "'and we ought to have enough to last.' They left her musing over the canning, and went out to conduct Father on the usual ceremonial grand tour. They showed him the sunflowers, and the big green footballs in the watermelon patch, and the red-stained apples that were bending the branches of the orchard. As they were coming back across the grass, Father said to them, "'I'm very pleased with the way you've done all your jobs. The place looks fine. The lawns are smooth, the garden well kept, the house clean, and then all that splendid canning.' "'Yes, I'm very pleased. "'The way you've taken hold these past weeks shows real character.' "'Rush walked close up to Willie and spoke to him quietly. "'Jellyfish, huh?' was all he said. "'And though the quality of all your work is excellent,' father was continuing, "'I am delighted to see that it is—' "'Oops, <laughs> let's start that again. "'And though the quality of all your work is excellent—' father was continuing, and I am delighted to see that it is, I would still be happy even though the job had been amateurishly performed. Because it's not only the quality of the work that counts at a time like this, it's— "'The principle of the thing!' shouted Rush and Randy, in a bold duet. End of chapter 12. Read by Kara Schallenberg, www.kra.org, on Thursday, April 11th, 2013, in San Diego, California.